Hey, good morning, Pleasant City Church. Those are fun. That was all right before COVID happened. And then the life group picture was actually just about three weeks ago. And uh, stuff's back up. It's pretty exciting. But hey there, my name's Joshua. And yeah, as you just heard from my bride, we get to be One Love Missionaries, a ministry that started here at Pleasant City Church in 2006. And I'm also the life group's discipleship pastor at our home church in Maui, Hawaii, at Waipuna Chapel as well. But uh, the big thing is Pastor Gary is my dad. So... And uh, if you know him, I'm sorry. No, he's the, he's the man. So thankful for my mom and dad. And uh, I love being back in town in Shelby. You know, we moved my senior year of high school from Ohio to here in Shelby, North Carolina. And uh, got connected with the youth group, right, as the warehouse was being built. And uh, in 2006, I was a youth intern, and that's where One Love Skate began. We had skaters that would come, and um, we shared 1 John 4, 9 with them, that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world that we might live through him. And we were able to pour that little slab of cement, and it is amazing all that God's done through that. And just being here is such a, a sturdy foundation, you know, that you guys love Jesus and model what it means to um, live in community well. And it's always so refreshing just being here at this sturdy foundation of Pleasant City Church. And uh, that was my friend Sam's words when he visited from Hawaii. He's just like, their faith just seems so sturdy. And that was pretty cool. But the main thing I love about being here is remembering getting married in 2008 right next door. And uh, my bride, Nicole, and I were married. Um, next door, she came from Maui to uh, North Greenville University. And just this last, last month in May, we celebrated 12 years of marriage. So... That's all credit to Jesus and her. She's the, she's the best. <laughs> but uh, super fun to just be back here at Pleasant City celebrating that. So we're, I was asked to share James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 today. And if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open that up to James chapter 1, verse 12. And you've been, we've, we've been in the book of James now for, for a couple weeks and sharing about um, what, not only what we believe, but the book of James shares practical insights for how to behave. What that fruit looks like after our root is a right relationship with Jesus. And there's a great message last week. I was really encouraged to be about people. You know, Pastor Gary, my dad, shared about uh, looking after widows and orphans in their distress and um, being about people, those people God's put in our lives and being careful with our words and being wise with what we say. So very convicting for me. <laughs> and you can pray I'm careful with my words today and that it's only Jesus speaking. That'd be great. All right. So, uh, hey, if you're able, let's uh, stand and read James chapter 1, verse 12 together. All right. Let's together. One, two, three. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray and then you can be seated. God, thank you so much for your word, um, that it is nourishing to our souls. I pray that your life-giving truth would impact our hearts today, that this would not just be information, but would be revelation that would lead to transformation in each of our lives, God. Um, thank you that you give us comfort to stay the course and enjoy the ride the way that you've called us to, Lord. Um, I pray that today we would remember one thing that you would speak to us that we would never forget and that we would, you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you may be seated. 
So today we're talking about staying the course. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And our boys this past year, um, our oldest two have learned how to ride bikes. We have, we have three boys. Our oldest is eight. Our youngest is three. And our middle son, Paul, um, especially likes to figure out how things work. And uh, he walks around the house with a screwdriver and takes apart his toys. And he's just like me, it drives us nuts. <laughs> and uh, he, after learning how to ride his own bike, he really wanted to ride his brother's bike as well. And this is what happened uh, a couple months ago. All right. So if, if you missed that, he's, the bike is way too big for him. He's barely keep his toes on the ground. And as he tries to ride his brother's bike, he could have fallen very easily. All right. And if he had turned to the side and thought about all the things that could have gone wrong, he would have fallen. If he had bailed, he would have cried hard. Um, but instead, it's something we celebrate instead of something that was really painful. He stayed the course. How about watching that one more time? Right, and he starts pedaling, all right? And maybe I'm just a dad, so I think that's extra cool. But it's a good reminder for us to stay the course, okay? To, to not give up. You know, as followers of Jesus, trials are something that we're gonna experience. We're gonna experience different types of difficulties in our lives. You know, maybe it's a relationship that might be on the rocks, something difficult financially, possibly. Um, it could be a health issue, something difficult that we're experiencing. Um, or a ministry calling that is just that, that long, hard, faithful obedience is so difficult. But what is a trial that you're facing right now? You know, what, what bike are you trying to ride in this season, you know, to, to use the metaphor? And that's the first question that's on your handout. And uh, if you would like, you can go to pleasantcity.org or use the app and look at a handout. And it is kind of weird not having handouts. I know we're not handing anything out, but... Whether you have a handout or not, let's make this practical and really reflect today what's one area of my life in which I need to stay the course. And I invite you to just pray and ask God to help you think of one thing, one trial that you need to remain steadfast in. God, please reveal one thing to each of us today and give us your wisdom now through your word to stay the course. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at three blessings from James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 that help us stay the course. And when my bride and I were married next door in 2008, a theme of our wedding was enjoy the ride. We actually had Philippians 4, 4 through 7 on our wedding program that we handed out to everybody, which says rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's really encouraging because Paul's in prison. And sometimes, Mary, no, never, uh, don't know, stay the course. Okay, uh, Paul's in prison, he's struggling and suffering, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to all, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything but in everything, with prayer and petition, supplication, present your request to God. And then we're promised this peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there's this eternal perspective that we have when we're in Christ Jesus. And ETR, everybody say ETR. Okay, it can mean enjoy the ride. And as we stay the course, we get to enjoy the ride. But because many of you don't have handouts to write down, it, uh, hopefully you can remember our three points because they all start ETR today. And the first is eternal perspective. 
eternal perspective, that we have heaven on the horizon. You know, I love when I'm in town getting to go to Crowder's Mountain and getting a, a more of a mountaintop view of the world, all right, and getting up to those high places that help us see beyond what we can just see immediately in front of us. You know, one artist said he likes to look further than he can see every morning when he starts his day or else he kind of gets sucked into minutia, all right? And having that, that bigger picture in mind, that's what I love about Pleasant City Church. I'm reminded of sitting in here as a 17-year-old boy and seeing on the wall, growing to be part, anybody remember? Growing to be part of something greater than ourselves used to be right up there on that wall. And as we go through trials and difficulty, we are reminded that, we have a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Okay, when, we have when we've been able to stand the test and we think of the ancient Greeks, we think of the Olympics and, and this prize that athletes won for competing, this laurel wreath and this crown and this prize that they were promised on this earth when they won the event that they were part of. Well, as followers of Jesus, we have something so much better than this earth could provide. We have an eternal prize. First Peter 1, Pastor Peter writes to us that we have an eternal inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. And we need to keep heaven on the horizon, that eternal inheritance in our minds as the first blessing to help us stay the course and enjoy the ride. You know, and as we're facing trials, um, let's be reminded, trials aren't something that we should seek. You know, we don't hit ourselves in the foot with a hammer and say, thank you, Jesus, for this suffering. All right? Because suffering is not inherently spiritual, right? And yet suffering is something that we face in this world that's been infected and affected by sin. You know, and I like that we're wearing masks today, honestly, to help prevent some of the suffering that can come with this um, pandemic right now. You know, we, we do what we can to be careful to, to not cause more suffering than we need to cause. And yet, as followers of Jesus, when we face trials, we should joyfully be able to endure them because of an eternal perspective that we get to have. Trials should not be sought, but they should be joyfully endured. We have hope based on not only this life, but the life to come. Blessed is the man who, or woman who remains steadfast under trial. For when you have stood the test, you will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. All right, I'm reminded that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that we may have life and have life to the full, that abundant life. I got to sit with my nephew yesterday. And one of the great things about being in town, you know, it's not just the, the ministry that we, we get to do. I know last year we got to go to Beach House and um, speak at three different churches and things like that. But one of the big things for us about being in Shelby is time with my mom and dad, my brother and his family. And I got to sit with his son, who is about eight days apart from our son. They're within two weeks of each other's birthday. They're both eight years old. And hear about him giving his life to Jesus recently. And I said, Beckett, what happened? And he said, you know, mom and dad and I were sitting on the swing set. All the other kids had gone to bed and we were sitting on the swing set. And I was asking them about being baptized. And then I put my trust in Jesus. They shared with me some verses and I put my trust in Jesus. And it was so cool to hear about that eternal life and those eternal seeds that were taking root, are taking root in his heart already. They had shared with them Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that truth went in. That eternal perspective is already working there in his heart. 
And we're invited to consider that and receive that blessing of eternal perspective to help us stay the course. Second, we're called to test the truth. We're on trial every time we're in a trial. Everybody say, on trial, in our trials. In our trials. Maybe it's just the masks, but that was pretty soft. Try it one more time. On trial, in our trials. Right on, yes. So we're being tested. What's really going on in our hearts? Where we have opportunities when we face difficulties to have our character fortified in ways that could not exist without the type of testing that we're experiencing. And I'm reminded of the old Indiana Jones clip. I don't know if you remember, but when he was walking up to the huge ravine off the edge of a cliff that would kill him, and he had a map that said there was a bridge right across that ravine. Anybody remember that scene? Um, Really dramatic that if he were to step off that cliff, he would fall to his death. But on this map said that there was a bridge that would appear as he walked. And the life of a Christ follower is one such as that, that obedience precedes understanding. That until we obey, we don't really understand and comprehend the truth of who God is. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right, and Indiana Jones in that movie, when he stepped, you see his heart pounding through his chest. He's sweating. He's so nervous, but he knows there's a bridge there and he has to make it across. And he takes that step and a step appears. And he takes the next step and the next step appears. And his obedience preceded understanding. He was testing what is true. All right, and that's the same opportunity that that we have as we live not based on what we see under the sun, but truly living by faith, having that eternal perspective, seeking the most high God, realizing he can see things none of us can see and following him fully. So what are some trials that you're going through right now? What are, what are some tests that you're going through? This is more than just hypothetical head knowledge right now. This is truly what, what are you going through and enduring? Maybe it's a family member that is just not seeing eye to eye with you right now. Maybe it's a ministry calling that you've kind of quenched and suppressed for years, but you know it's something that God's called you to to follow through with. You know, pray, ask God to search your heart and know you and, and see how he wants you to respond to him today. All right, as we look at these blessings of staying the course and enjoying the ride, the eternal perspective and the opportunity to test the truth, to be on trial in our trials, It's really important, James says, to not say I'm being tempted by God. You know, James corrects their language. He helps them realize how important words are, that words can determine culture. And we need to be careful with the words that we use. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. All right, James is saying, hey, be reminded, God is a good God. Every good and perfect gift is from him and we even have the opportunity to count it all joy when we face tests and trials of many kinds. And he's going to delineate testing from temptation. And there's a big difference. And again, this is where the handout would be so helpful. Um, but in your notes, if you're on, the, the, on your smartphone on the app, as Wes mentioned, you can download the handout. And there is a chart with five different differences between testing and temptation. But we do have them up on the screen as well. It's just not quite as in a chart form. But the first big difference is that temptation is from the enemy, whereas testing is from God. All right. Our enemy, Revelation 12, 9 through 11, reminds us that he's a liar 
and he is a deceiver. And uh, again and again, the, the devil tries to trick us into doing things that are wrong. All right, he makes his bait, whatever that is, seem so sweet, but he hides the hook. All right, and he tries to get us to, to step into things that would be outside of what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is. All right, and when, once we take those steps and maybe we, we eat this or look at this or, or smoke this or say this, whatever those, those steps of disobedience might be apart from God, fill in the blank, whatever yours might be. After we do that, and he's, he's the one who's helped us try and do that, and uh, attempted us, then he becomes the accuser of our brethren. He says, that's all you are. You're just someone who eats this or smokes this or says this or, or, or goes here or does this again and again. And, and he's the accuser of the brethren. All right. And, and yet we're reminded in the end revelation that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, that no matter what we've done, if we've received Jesus and we're close to him, we receive his righteousness and our broken lives are placed on the cross. Jesus is in our place. We have hope and help and forgiveness of sins. Amen? All right. And um, now we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that, hey, this is what I was like before Jesus, but Jesus came into my life and now my life is this way. And we should be people that are able to talk about these transformations that have taken place in our lives. And I'll tell you right now, Pleasant City, people are nervous. I mean, we're in a global pandemic. There is like a sandstorm coming in the sky this weekend. And there's locusts eating crops in Africa right now. It's kind of a weird time to be alive. And people are nervous and apprehensive. And they need hope and help that only Jesus can provide. All right? And realize whatever those temptations are, they're from the enemy who's not on our team. Realize who's holding the apple, all right? Realize who, who's the one that's trying to deceive us, all right? And realize that testing, however, is from God. And you know, this, this Jewish audience, we, we had a pastor that used to say, put on your Jewish glasses with us because the, the Jews were a special, had a special relationship with God in the Old Testament. And they were really familiar with this language of trials, all right? And they had two examples, one that was the prime example of success and one that would have been the prime example of failure. Can anyone tell me the person who would have been that prime example of success in, in a trial and in a test? Anybody know? Can turn it into a dialogue for a second. In the Old Testament, Joseph, so who, Job, there you go. That would have been a big one. Well, the, the, the commentary, though, that I read, okay, so let's take a grain of salt, maybe. But Abraham, okay, Abraham was that prime example. And you think about Abraham being promised descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And yet, when they're barely able to, to, to be alive anymore, they're so old, God gives them a child, finally. All right, and they, they give, he gives Abraham this son, that's a miraculous gift from God. But then God says, hey, go lay Isaac on the altar. Take your son, the only son whom you love, and, and sacrifice him unto me. And there's that ultimate test, all right, where Abraham was faithful and passed that test. All right, his character was fortified. He learned that he trusted God more than anything else he could see, that he was really living by faith. All right, and we see that that testing can be from God. The ultimate example of failure, on the other hand, with God's people, who was grumbling in the desert again and again. All right, it was those Israelites that, that would just grumble and, and 
pine back for those days when they were in Egypt as slaves <laughs> and how good, the good old days. And they would again and again turn their hearts away from God and follow after what they could see directly in front of them. All right, and we're in such danger when we forget that God is a good God. And James is saying, hey, don't say God's tempting you. God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. All right, so we see temptations from the enemy, testings from God, temptations designed so that we stumble and sin, so that we follow our own flesh, reminded of the, the simple person in Proverbs 7 who walks too close to the temptation that's around them. And the Bible says, flee from temptation. If there's something that you struggle with, you need to radically eliminate those things from your life that would be stumbling blocks for you, whatever that might be. And these temptations are designed so that we stumble. And Proverbs 7 reminds that all at once, this person followed their own flesh and it was like a deer stepping into a noose, like an arrow piercing their liver that they were trapped by their sin. And that's how the enemy has designed these temptation templates to cause us to stumble and fall. Um, Tim Keller talks about a piano being opened and uh, that when you sing to a piano, I guess if you open the, the piano, you can't do it with this keyboard over here because it doesn't have actual strings. But if you open a grand piano, there's strings on that piano. And on that, if you sing a certain note, that string will sing back. Anybody know this? I, mean, I, I thought this was really fascinating. As, as you sing that certain note, the string will sing back. Um, in Leslie Hughes' book, Gospel for the Visual Learner, he explains that Satan and his demon are like musicians, not singers. Satan and his minions need instruments to play. They cannot make any music without the aid of a piano or a violin or a flute. They must have something with which to work. Our flesh is that instrument in us through which they work. Tim Keller quotes a man named John White who claims that if you lift up the top of a piano and sing a note into it, all of the strings will remain motionless except for the string that matches the note that you sang. That string will vibrate and you will hear an echo because there is something in that string which resonates with your voice. The point is that Satan needs footholds in our lives, things with which he can resonate. These footholds are found in our characteristic flesh that we're enticed by our own desires that are in us, our certain proclivities that would sing back. Um, here's a sampling of some questions that we could use to identify our characteristic flesh. What must I have in my life to be okay? What do I most fear? What do I most desire? Whose opinion of me matters most? What if loss would make me feel that life is no longer worth living? On what do I spend significant amounts of time? On what do I spend significant amounts of money? What really matters to me? Who can make it all better? What would make me feel secure? What do I think about most often? What do I obsess over? What if I had would make everything all right? What most irritates me? Knowing the answers to these questions can aid in our preparation for combat against the attacks of the coalition. Properly identifying our characteristic flesh can allow us to be better equipped to hear when the enemy sounds our particular notes and to call upon the spirit to effectively still the strings within our hearts. All right, we get to call upon our heavenly father. When we mess up, don't give up. What do we do? 
Fess up. Amen. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we do have a smart enemy who's not omniscient, doesn't know everything, but does know what strings will sing in our hearts. And we need to be wise to not be caught in the snares of temptation. All right. On the other hand, trials are designed to make us stronger. Um, these have come that the testing of your faith of greater worth than gold, 1 Peter 1 states. Gold perishes even though it's refined by fire. Um, your faith is proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That we have an opportunity to, to stay the course and test the truth in whatever situation we're facing. Temptation isolates us from God and people. Testing helps us love God and love people. James 1.14, we see this image of a person being lured and enticed by his own desire. It's like a fish being drawn away from shelter, seeing the bait, not seeing the hook and being captured. All right, and being isolated from God and people. How important that gift of community is to help us see the blind spots. I had a privilege of talking to someone who was at Beach House last year and got to ask, you know, how are those accountability groups going that we talked about starting at camp? And not only for, for youth, but for adults as well. We, we need people to point out the blind spots for us. You know, maybe we don't need anybody else in the car when we're driving, but when we're doing life, we need people. I'm just kidding. You do need sometimes people in the car to point out the blind spots, right? Anybody had a blind spot recently that you didn't see and somebody said stop and then protect you from an accident as you drove? Maybe that's just me. But in, in, a, in, a, in a similar way and even more important, we need people in our lives. We need to not be isolated because when we're isolated and those strings start to sing, we're in danger. All right, whereas testing helps us love God and love people. You know, James is writing to the beloved brothers. He's saying, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers, by these temptation templates the enemy's using. All right, temptation provides footholds for our flesh. This is what we see with this young person in Proverbs 7. Um, and we, we see it all through scripture. We, and we're reminded in Ephesians 4.27, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not... Let those strings sing in your life, whatever it is that, that flares up those desires. You know, try to avoid those things. Ask God to give you strength to stay the course. And then testing provides freedom from the lives of the enemy, or from the lies of the enemy. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. You know, Matthew 7, 11 says, if you, though... Your evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who, who know him, who ask him? All right, we're invited to experience freedom in Jesus and not follow these lies. And the last is that temptation brings death, whereas testing brings life. Um, one philosopher said, if God made me omnipotent, okay, if God made me all powerful, I sure would change a lot of things in this world. But if God made me all wise, I would leave things as they are. All right, the realization that God is God and we are not. That 
there is true life that comes when we follow Jesus, whereas there is death that comes when we believe the lies of the enemy and just follow the yearnings of our flesh. I don't know if you guys have ever heard my dad do the Samson rap. Has anyone heard him do the Samson rap? All right. I remember my dad as a youth pastor 20 years ago when I was a 14-year-old boy and uh, putting on this big wig. And uh, I think you did see it in Gary's Corner, maybe that same wig um, during the the quarantine time, but he used to put on this rap and talk to the youth group and say, my name is Samson, huh? I'm a Nazarite. I'm a judge of Israel and I know how to fight through the Philistine, to the Philistines. I'm God's terminator. My strength comes from him. I'm stronger than Schwarzenegger. Anyway, you got to hear my dad do that. Ask him too. He'll, he'll, but uh, we talk about Samson and Samson's is a great example of someone who saw sin take him further than he wanted to go, keep him longer than he wanted to stay and cost him more than he wanted to pay. Okay, that sin binded and blinded Samson quite literally in the book of Judges. And these are stories you can pray about throughout the week. Proverbs 7, um, Samson's story in the book of Judges. But see the clear difference between temptation in which we're to flee from that leads us to condemnation and just a general sense that we feel worthless and helpless and hopeless if we just believe the lies and the temptation of the enemy and the difference between trials and testing, that these testing, it can actually be something that can be good, like Paul on the bike who is able to see in front of him and and pedal and stay the course. So ETR, we have eternal perspective, test the truth, and last, receive God's call to community. That the Most High has invited us into his ohana, into his family. All right, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. James is saying, hey, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ has united people from all walks of life to himself and to one another in his church. You know, and I remember one of my cassette tapes as a a middle school kid, and it had a a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that said, I I dream of a day when my four children will grow up in a place where they're judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. All right, that we're united people from all walks of life. And that I I remember him quoting, I remember the, the, the tape playing so powerfully, and he said, you know, I have a dream that Black men and white men and Jews and Gentiles and Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing free at last, free at last. That we're invited to community, multicultural community, people from every nation, tribe and tongue. Do not be deceived. We're invited to this greater purpose and place in the body of Christ. You know, it's funny driving around with our three boys. Our oldest is eight, middle one's six, our youngest is three. And our three-year-old can talk as much as anyone in our home. And I know that's hard for you to believe because you know some other Marburgers, right? But Silas, our three-year-old, um, one day we were in a parking lot. And if maybe did anybody know a three-year-old that talks a lot? <laughs> some of you might know. But we were in a parking lot. His window was rolled down. And he calls over to a person that he didn't really even know. And he said, hey, I'm Sai-Sai. <laughs> These my bro-bros. <laughs> and and our, our three-year-old boy um, just wants to start a conversation with a stranger. Hey, my name's Sai-Sai. These are my bro-bros. And he's experiencing his purpose and his place in his family, all right, that, that he belongs there. And there is a sense of belonging that we need to experience, this grace to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And James is saying, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. You know, there's the reminder that we are not to isolate ourselves. We're to stay connected. And we can do that wisely during a pandemic. You know, it doesn't mean 
I don't know, some kind of crazy example of sharing germs. It doesn't mean that, but it, it means staying connected. You can stay, stay connected, know how people are doing, check in. It's an important grace to stay connected to your heavenly father, stay connected to others. So to explain that, receiving God's call to community, it really is that, that one love logo, loving God, loving people. That James is saying, hey, every good and every perfect gift in verse 17 is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. You know, think John 8, 12, Jesus is the light of the world. He's our heavenly father. He's good. We need to know him of his own will. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of all his creatures. First fruits. And this was all through the Old Testament, um, this theme of, of bringing the first fruits to God first and showing that they're, they're of worth and value. And one artist, I, I like the way he words this. He says, worth, value, and beauty are not determined by some innate quality, but by the length to which the owner would go to possess them. And human beings broken and ugly are stamped excellent with ink dipped in wells of divine veins. That we're invited into community. We're given worth and value because we know our heavenly father. He's the light of the world. Nothing catches him by surprise. Whatever trial you've been going through, whatever sin you might be turning to to try to get you through this trial, um, whatever temptation you might be responding to and, and whatever string might be singing, I'd invite you to stay the course this morning. You know, as Wes comes up and plays, we have some discussion questions to reflect on this week. And again, they're available online. I encourage you to think through these three questions. We'll leave them up on the screen and reflect on these. But I want to close with this thought of these first fruits. You know, there's, there's two different verses here. Um, Romans 16.5, I believe, where Paul talks about his first converts, all right? And also 1 Corinthians um, chapter 16, verse 15. And I think we can get these on the screen real quick and then we'll pop the discussion questions back up. But these first fruits are these first converts um, to Christ because even though the church is going through difficulty, they're staying on mission, and they're going through trials and struggles. We know Paul had more struggles than maybe anybody in the Bible except Jesus. And he stayed the course. And we too get to be, receive God's call to community. And God's call to community is loving God and loving others. And I love that reminder, you know, a 17 year old boy, I remember seeing it uh, on the wall, loving God, I butchered it in the first service. I said, loving God, loving others, serving the world. I think it said, loving God, connecting with others, serving the world. You guys remember seeing that on the wall here? And that is that God's called a community. You know, so ETR, keep that eternal perspective, you know, test the truth and receive God's call to community, loving God and loving others. Think about these discussion questions, which one applies to your life most as we, as we sing. And I'll, I'll close us in prayer and then let's take this time to reflect and then I know there'll be some announcements too. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for hope and help from you. Thank you that you give us tools to enjoy the ride and stay the course with great joy. Thank you for all we get to even learn. Thank you, I get to learn from my kids of Paul staying on the bike and not jumping off right before the breakthrough. <laughs> and I pray for the person who's here today, Lord, that knows of a clear trial that they're going through. It's very apparent and painful. 
And I pray that these blessings would help them stay the course today, God. We thank you. Please just make this real to us as we reflect now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.